Hi guys and welcome to our third episode of season two Pep Talk, where we've got with me here Adam Moses and a special guest, uh, Pep Committee alumni Dom Smith. Welcome, Dom. Thanks very much, guys. Cheers. So uh, we kick off all of these episodes with the same question with all of our guests, uh, and that is being uh, dead or alive, who would you want to have a dinner with? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> could be anyone, absolutely anyone. Uh, I mean, the curiosity in me wants to say someone like Jesus or Moses or Muhammad to see whether they really were who they claimed they were. But, <laughs> I mean, if, if, if it's about the conversation flowing, I'd probably go for someone like like Rob Brydon or, or David Tennant because they're, I don't know, they're, they seem reasonably nice people, quite funny as well. That's a hard one. Um, I'll, yeah. go David Jesus, I'll go David Tennant. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go David Tennant. I think it's David good to get uh, 1-0 uh, Jesus here. Yeah. <laughs> great Already get the football angle in there. <laughs> um, so, Dom, uh, during your time at the university, what course uh, did you do? What modules did you do? What did you find most interesting? Yeah, so I studied PPE. Um, I took it down the non-economics route um, because... I mean, I think a lot, I think everyone's good at maths when they're young, but my dad was head of maths at my sixth form college. And when I told him that I got a C, I think I kind of, my, my good at maths days were over really. So <laughs> I, I had to, I went down the sort of more Englishy kind of essay based route. Um, yeah. And actually um, even among those sorts of people of which I think were more than half in my year took the the more politicsy philosophy route. A lot of people majored more on philosophy, uh, on politics, but I can't say that myself. I actually, mm. by the end, I was basically making my PPE degree almost philosophy with psychology. I did essays on how there's no way a God could exist on why psychopaths are not morally responsible for their actions. So by the end, I, I wasn't arguing much in philo- uh, in politics or, or economics at all, really. I, I took mm. pretty much the philosophy route, but I, I didn't want to drop any of them because um, I still find economics and politics really interesting. And also, and this is terrible, but PPE does have a certain weight on the CV, which... Oh, yeah. Uh, 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 because it's such a well-rounded degree, um, mm, it's a great generalist yeah, degree. I I absolutely have no regret studying, um, and I'm really I'm really pleased. You know, I'm sure we'll get onto the journalism thing. I knew I wanted to be a journalist well before I went to uni, but um, I still am pleased that I did a an academic degree and that it was PPE. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. Yeah. I, I much prefer the uh, politics and philosophy to uh, to economics because I mean I didn't do. Um, a level maths before um, starting PPE, starting the economics, and it was a bit of a uh, bit of a wake up call, and it still is <laughs> trying to trying yeah, to work I out did, those the grandings. And... Same, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, anyone listening who's thinking about coming to the uni of York, like, if you've done A level or if you haven't, there's still a lot of support in uni. And we were going oh, to yeah. the same like, math skill sessions every week, and that that just helps so much. So even yeah. if you're scared of the maths and econ, like, there's a lot of help. And, yeah, Dom's Dom's questions were really like that. He looks at the um, psychopath one and whether they're morally responsible. That's that's pretty interesting. It kind of shows mm-hmm. like the scope of 
stuff you can do in PP. There's so much more stuff than you like ordinarily think that you can do with the degree. So that's really yeah, yeah, definitely. So then, um, what then during your study of PP, what what made you want to then be, become a part of the club of Pep and get involved on that front? Well, I was, I mean, I was involved in the Club of Pep right from first year. So I'm not, I'm not entirely, I can't quite remember what it was that led me to get involved. I actually think it probably was, I mean, I'm, I'm quite a proactive person and I probably thought that you kind of had to be part of the Club of Pep, which is, <laughs> I don't know. I can't quite remember if that was it. But it's true, you have no choice. You have to choice. <laughs> I think I sort of, sort of fell into the committee almost. Um, yeah. <clears throat> And I, I sort of accidentally got a bit involved in the in the trip in first year. I wasn't the mm. trip organiser, and I, and I certainly wouldn't want to claim any credit for being anything like that because I wasn't. <laughs> I wasn't involved in choosing where we where we went. I basically wanted to get a good bit of, of it done, which was choosing where we ended up because <laughs> we, we went to Athens in the end, and that was really good. Um, and then second year, I um, <clears throat> I just decided that I'd probably probably be well suited to be. Sp- speaker's officer because I kind of fancied the idea of um listening to people's ideas for who we could get in and then actually like I think half of the battle with these things is actually having the confidence to to communicate with these people you have these grand ideas of of like either lecturers or or famous academics or famous politicians that you want to speak to but you see you actually see their email or their phone number in front of you and you almost get scared off feeling that you're not like good enough to contact them but that's nonsense absolute nonsense yeah i think half it is confidence and um i feel i was um i was reasonably well suited to, to kind of doing that and we got some good speakers in. we spoke to um peter hitchens who's um who's the the, the main columnist on the mail on sunday very divisive mm. figure but very interesting and his brother was um is obviously the, the late um famous atheist christopher hitchens mm-hmm. um we spoke with natalie bennett who was leader of the green party in 2015 when the greens were actually pushing very hard to get more than one seat <laughs> <laughs> which they didn't manage um, and we also spoke with um york outers mp rachel um Maskell. i think i think york university is covered within her constituency so basically yes. the university, um, yeah yeah She's been putting flyers through doors in the past few days. And also, actually, um, the other speaker we had was Tim Harford, who wrote, um, I mean, anyone who, who was either studied economics at A-level or was remotely interested in it will will have heard of the book, The Undercover Economist. And that was yeah, a very famous book, yeah. which explained yeah. the kind of, it explains economics to the intelligent, but the so far kind of unaware um, mm. And uh, Tim Harper does a really good job of that. He's also a, a, a very f- kind of successful columnist on the Financial Times, and he has a show on, um, I think, Radio Four. So that was really interesting. So yeah, mm. yeah. What was the process in terms of getting these speakers to come into the university? Is there any sort of advice that you could give to like me and Bellman now in trying to get speakers in to to talk either on the podcast or give talks or whatnot? Well. Um, in a broad sense, I would just, I try to speak all, all those bases covered. And then besides that, you want to speak to a different range of voices. You basically want your speakers, if they were in the same room as each other, to absolutely hate each other. Not, not, not actually hate, <laughs> but just disagree. Yeah. So, yeah. So it makes for more interesting conversations. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, 
I think it's tempting when you think of PPE speakers, you think of politicians. They don't all have to be politicians. There are plenty of famous economists. There are plenty of famous philosophers. Um, <clears throat> and philosophy can, can be a good route to go down because a lot of them, a lot of the jobs that come from philosophy is lecturing and lecturers understand the values of speaking to unis because it's literally their job. So <laughs> they can't. They can say no, but they're probably not going to say no. So, mm. yeah, I mean, look up who you want. Do a bit of time Googling. You, you probably find if you can't find someone's personal phone number or their personal email, you can usually find their their work email somewhere. Yeah. And then send them an email. And if they don't reply to you a week and a half later, send them another email. And if they don't reply to you two weeks later, send them another email. And then send another email. one. It's all about persistence. <laughs> oh, my dear. So uh, how did you get into journalism? Like, what was the, is that something that you wanted to do before PP or is it something you fell into during uni? How, how'd that work? Uh, <clears throat> no, journalism has been a, the, the thing that I've wanted to do basically since I've ever started thinking about jobs. I mean, you're not oh. supposed to think about what you want to do when you're a child, but you sort of end up doing um, eventually because, you, you know, you, the first jobs that you encounter are teachers and things like postmen and bin men. But then you realise there's a lot of different jobs that you never see as a child. Um, yeah. I got into football quite late. <clears throat> Pardon me. I got into football quite late. I was probably 10, 11. But as soon as I got into football and I knew that I enjoyed writing, I just decided to combine them. And within probably one or two match reports, I used to cover, I used to write match reports after a couple of days after every England game because England only play football maybe like 10, 11, 12, 13 mm. times a year, which isn't much. But the, the thing is, England are free to watch on TV by law. And so the same cannot, you know, the same cannot be said for the biggest clubs in this country where you have to spend all these ridiculous subscription mm. charges. Yeah. And so we never had any of that at home. Um, but we did have, you know, we did have free view. So I would watch England games. And after one or two match reports of them, I, you know, I was starting to lay them up on Word, a very kind of old version of Word, to look like <laughs> new. And I really enjoyed kind of oh. doing that. And I was like, wow, if this is a real job, that would be great. And of course it is. Football journalism is a, is a thing. It doesn't feel like a thing. It feels like something you do <laughs> for free. But um, that's part of the point, isn't it? I mean, I, I, yeah. basically figured, I basically figured when I was 11 or 12, that you spend so many hours doing the job that you end up doing that you'd be an idiot not to do, not to try at least. I know it's not possible for everyone, but to try and make yeah. it something that you, that you will enjoy. And mm. I love doing match reports and doing feature articles and interviews. So I've always wanted to be a football journalist since I was 11. So I made, I made a website called englandfootball.org, which still exists. Um, oh, wow. And I started with match reports and then I added in a few interviews, like exclusive interviews that I'd secured and then feature articles. And now I sort of write, I mean, during the World Cup, I'm writing on the site every day, um, at least mm. once every day. Um, <clears throat> and then, so that's how I started. And then I just built it from there. You know, wanted, I wanted to write for as many publications as I could. I wanted to appear on as many podcasts as I could. I wanted yeah. to make my Twitter as big as I could possibly make it and social media and things like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm I'm currently, I mean, I, I graduated from York in the summer um, and I'm currently studying um, a quick one-year sports journalism course, which gets me the NCTJ mm. qualification, where I have 100 words in shorthand, which is really important um, 
for the for the very top newspapers to consider yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it's a four it's a four day course, and um, every Wednesday I work for the Times on the sports desk. So, um, so, cool. I, do, so I do writing um, and interviewing on football and a few other sports for the Times. Um, and I do so I make some appearances on Talk Sport as well. Um, so yeah, I mean it's just uh, the um, the broader I can the broader the stuff I can cover the better. Mm. Um, the yeah. the pandemic I would actually add the pandemic was really good for me actually not not overall but in, <laughs> in, you know, in, in one sense in one sense it was good for me because <clears throat> you know having done this website since 2012 when I was 11 um, and having secured a few interviews i, I mean I, I interviewed trent alexander arnold when i was 18 oh. a few a, f- a few of those like that i got in touch with the fa when um when covid was on and because I, I noticed that england press conferences before and after england games went on, had gone on zoom and that meant that i didn't need to be in london and i was obviously at york in uni so oh, i said so- i've got this website can you let me into england press conferences and they just sent yeah sure which just shows in life you should always ask to do things because the worst you're going to get is a no. Um, so yeah, I've been, I, I've, you know, I speak to Gareth Southgate every time he joins wow. up with the England team. If, um, if there wasn't a limit, um, kind of, if, if there wasn't a limit to the journalists that could be in Qatar, I would actually be out there right now. So it's a little <laughs> bit gutting that I'm, uh, I'm stuck in Twickenham. But no, it's okay. Wow. Um, yeah. And then I cover the Premier League for the Morning Star as well. So kind of every weekend I get to go to whatever the biggest Premier League game is. So yeah, I mean, how could that's, you not enjoy that? Really? That's, that's quite amazing. Sounds like the dream. Sounds like the dream. I feel like it's really cool as well. It's kind of similar to Jordan, who we interviewed last week, that a lot of people, like he, quite similar ages, they, he realised what he wanted to do. Like I feel like those younger years when you're like between like 11, 13, you've got like these dreams of what you want to do. And sometimes people think uni's going to kind of like derail that or I'm going to like get to uni and want to do something else. I feel like it's really cool how you've been able to use your degree as well to push your like childhood dream. Which, yeah, it sounds really cool. I feel like interviewing all those footballers and everything, what should get into go to, because I'm guessing you get to go to all the England games free of charge as well. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, so you get you get to like, experience the stadium as well. That's it just sounds so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anything I would say though is that like I was lucky that I knew what I wanted to do when I was eleven, but yeah. that isn't normal. It's not even normal to leave uni knowing what you mm. want to do. More people graduate. <laughs> more people graduate from university not knowing what they want to do um, mm. than knowing. Um, and and even more important than work to, to mention than that is your career is only as important as you make it. Like, I don't want to sound like a guru, but like, it, you know, if your family or your friends are more important to you, and, and they, they're important to me, of course they are. If they're more important to you, to you than, than what you do or having home time and, and having a re- only working a reasonable number of hours is the most important thing to you, then great, you know, then go for that. To You know, for me... I want to do something that I would be willing to do for free um, and yeah. be paid to do it. And so I've known that I need to be driven because literally everyone wants to be a football journalist because it's, uh, because it's, well, because yeah. it's cool, isn't it? Um, um, like, you know, so to me, my career is really important, but it doesn't mean that it's right for that to be the case for everyone. Yeah. So talk, talking about the, the, um, 
interviews that you've done with footballers and obviously getting to go to like you know quite a lot of uh, matches and whatnot what's you know what, what what's your favorite story from uh you know talking to a footballer a manager or or from those matches whether it's you know funny for being entertaining or just interesting or cool or whatever yeah the, the funniest thing that happened was um it wasn't quite an interview it was more a sort of it was a post match press conference in the premier league last season and i managed to make uh, graham potter really kind of annoyed <laughs> after um after brighton leeds um right at the end of the season and leeds were fighting for their lives um and i when when i was in york i used to go to quite a lot of leeds games because it's quite mm. easy to get to um that's that, that, yeah. that's what i thought at the time that did not end up being true there kept being strikes and, like, <laughs> yeah literally every trees on the line and stuff so it wasn't actually <laughs> but it, it felt it at the time so I went up to near the end of the season I went up to, to do Brighton versus Leeds and I'd been I'd been to do Chelsea three days before Chelsea come up to mm. Elland Road as well and and they battered Leeds had been battered and then they played against um, Brighton and they really needed a point and in the 89th minute they did get their point um, uh, Leeds and Brighton had been all over Leeds but I didn't feel that they'd been all over them for the first 15 minutes. I thought the first 15 minutes was the only time when Leeds were better. And then they stole the draw mm. in the final minute. So at the, in the press conference, I said to, to Graham Potter, Graham, you know, did you, you know, you, you felt in control of that game throughout. Um, it's, you know, I'm sure it's a, it's a bitter feeling to lose the, the three points right at the end. Um, but, but were you concerned early on with, with Leeds making a, the, the better start to the game? And he just and he just sat there quietly and he said and he said you what sorry and <laughs> I repeat my question and he said I he said I don't know what you've been watching uh, I'm I'm sorry I don't I don't I don't know I don't know what earth you're on about we we were better and the thing about is like you have to just you have to put your pride to a side and just and yeah. just understand that that person is like 15 minutes. 20 minutes since losing what he thought was going to be three points and he's only got one. So, like, you have to remember that he's a human being and he's probably really annoyed with the result. But, yeah. Yeah. Do you see yourself, like, I know you're really into sports journalism, but do you ever see yourself, like, in the future transcending that and, like, maybe going on into different fields? Because, like, maybe something like political or, like, war journalism or just anything, or is it just, like, like are you, like, hyper-focused on sport? Well, I've always been interested in the news. And um, if I was at a football game and like a fight broke out or someone yeah. was arrested for something or something other other than the game happened, then clearly that becomes a story. And you have to love news enough to want mm. to cover that. But no, I don't think, I mean, I got offered the chance a couple of weeks ago to interview Dominic Cummings. Now, he doesn't want to speak to any media at the moment and it didn't happen. But like, <laughs> would, I, would I have done that at the time? Absolutely, I would have done that. I mean, why not? Amazing. Um, I do want to do football. Like, I I love writing feature articles, speaking to players. Um, and I and I also really like the live aspect. Like with match reports, I go to a game and I keep a note of the chances throughout the game. But I, I set myself the challenge of only ever starting my match report 70 minutes in. And then between 70 minutes and 90 minutes, <clears throat> I write about 900 or 1,000 words, like just yeah. blood, sweat and tears, like just, just like battering it out. And that kind of adrenaline, like maybe you'd get it with war reporting, but I, I wouldn't trust myself to do a good job of that. Like football yeah. is my lane, really, and, and I feel like I could I can do that okay. 
um I, you know never say never and if, if I had to I would and I'm sure I'd love it but the dream has always been football and I think they will remain mm. so yeah I feel like even with the World Cup especially football is no longer just football it's kind of like now inherently like political yeah. as well so even people who try and say that football's not political or sports but not political are idiots because it doesn't exist yeah. in a bubble Football doesn't happen on Pluto. It happens on Earth, where human beings yeah. talk to each other. Like, of course. <laughs> okay, well. Yeah, no, that's, that's um, no cool. Uh, so, mo- moving on from that, should we talk some World Cup? We think on this Zoom call we've got about seven minutes left. So let's 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 talk. Tell, tell us your predictions. <laughs> is it is it coming on, Dom? No, it's not. Coming That's home. terrible. Oh, come terrible on, mentality. <laughs> you wouldn't have reacted like that if we hadn't battered Iran. And Iran are okay, but they're also only Iran. Um, yeah. No, I mean we, we, we've got Brazil's open as we as yeah. we speak now. I, I think Brazil go all the way. Listen, England England are good enough to go far. They're actually an organised team in a way that so many of these big nations are not. But yeah. You still, as well as being organised, you still need that firepower. I'm not sure England have got firepower like Brazil or or, or Argentina. Maybe they do. I mean, they, we've got we've got some very good attackers, but I'm not sure that we've got that. I'm not sure we've got players you can bring off the bench and then you go and get goals number two, three, and four from the bench. I'm not sure England have quite got that. Mm. Mm. But I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. We'll see. Well, I mean, I don't know. Well, after that one game, I don't know. I feel like my view of England's attacking. Like lineup is maybe, but maybe a bit inflated. But I don't know. You're, you're. I, I, I mean, I think our attack was good, but I do. We shouldn't be conceding two goals yeah. to Iran. Like you win, you win those tournaments. You need to be keeping one clean sheets. One was a penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one was a penalty, and it was a harsh yeah. penalty because England have been made an example of with how you can't wrestle from. Uh, in corners and frank, frankly Maguire should have had yeah. only three minutes in but that doesn't matter because England scored six goals and that's that's impressive regardless but you're right you shouldn't yeah. concede two to Iran I mean we're 33 minutes into the Brazil-Serbia game right now and it's still nil-nil we might have our what fourth fifth nil-nil draw hopefully <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <gonna> win. <laughs> well um just to, I suppose, to to finish finish this episode. Um, where do you see your career going from here, Dom? Do you think uh, is is this is this your vocation? Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> there's where I see it going, and there's where there's where yeah, I want okay. it to go. Um, <laughs> I, I I hope they're the same thing, but they might not be. Yeah, um, you never know. I'd quite like, to, you know, I want to work for a, a newspaper while they still exist, and I'd quite like it to be a broadsheet. Mm. Probably go into a sort of length that you you don't necessarily with with the tabloids quite so much. Although I have done some work on on the tabloids, and they do a really good mm. job um, in this country. So I, I would like to end up eventually being a, a you know a chief football writer. Um, uh, Paper, but that that is like a single role that one person per mm. newspaper can have, and I understand that like that's quite an ambitious dream. That I want a role that at any one time there are only like eight of them in the whole country, maybe eight or ten of them in the whole country. But like, I'll go after it, and I'm not going to stop doing that. Yeah. So we'll see. 
I think you know you've you've yeah. you've come so far and you've you've not come so far to only go this far. I think yeah, go go yeah. for it. Well, listen, luck comes into it. Luck comes into everything. Um, if you meet the right people at the right time, you you can maybe be a little bit less impressive than the next person, and and you can get yourself into a role. And if you meet the wrong people or the right people at the wrong time or the wrong people at the wrong time, then maybe you don't quite get the break that you need, despite inverted commas mm. deserving it. But yeah, true. you also that's make your own luck and you have if you keep going at it, you know, then eventually you might. Hopefully I'll be lucky. We'll see. We'll see. Is there any uh, last word of advice you give to current students just about anything, anything at all? Yeah, any, any more? Ones uh, or... Yeah. Uh, on a career sense, I mean, be really organized and be ambitious. Um, uh and and be obsessive you know if you want something very few things in life come and sit in your lap for you you have to go and get them so 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 do that but in general i would say enjoy uni because um it's over far too soon and this is the way i would describe uni and i think it's helpful in order to describe how much how important it is that you enjoy it uni is the last time that you that every day people your age and who are like you will randomly walk past you and uh every day without you going and organizing it for yourself now if i want to socialize with people i have to organize it i have to go and say do you want to meet up for a coffee you walk around campus and you people, whether you know them or not, people of your age who, who are somewhat like you walk past you literally every day. I will never have that again. So um, enjoy it. Well, yeah, that there's some there's some really wise words there from Dom. I guess from career wise, just like as he said, be obsessive. And I guess as he did, like start small and that just keeps on piling up and it can present you a really good career that Dom is like reaping the rewards of now. So I guess, yeah. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of Pep Talk. Thank you, Dom, for coming out. Thank you, Adam, as well. And hopefully we'll get to see you again back in York soon and you can come and speak to some of the students if you ever have time. But yeah, good luck with your course. I don't know if, Adam, you've got anything else Oh, yeah. Else thank, to say. thank you very much, Dom. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you.